No, that's good. That's good. All right. Wasn't that good tonight? I tell you what, that was awesome. I love that. And uh, the good thing is, we're going to begin. They don't may not, maybe all know this yet, but we're going to begin rotating every other week. So they're going to be leading for us at least every other week, and we're excited about that. If you don't know these guys. They are the, the band that leads our Celebrate Recovery worship, and that is every Monday evening. And so if you're not familiar with that ministry, you can ask any of these folks, and they will fill you in, tell you all about that ministry, and you might find that it is just a, a good fit for you. So uh, see them for more information about that, and you'll be seeing a lot more of them. Thank you guys so much for tonight. If you have your Bible, we're going to be in the book of Matthew chapter 26 for the most part, but we'll be looking around a little bit between uh, here and there. If you're with us Wednesday, you remember we were, we were looking at uh, the, the first church in Revelation, and we were looking at love for Christ. The problem with this church was that they had forsaken their first love. And so I've been thinking about that this week. We're going to kind of continue on with that as we look at our newest encounter with Christ. You remember, sometimes we make the Christian faith so difficult. We make all these hoops to jump through, and if you really love Christ, you're going to do this, and you're going to do this, and you're going to go to this, you're going to attend this, you're going to do this study. But really, it's very simple. The Bible presents it that if you truly are a believer, if you're truly a child of God, what's going to show that is that you are totally in love with the Lord Jesus Christ. It's very simple. What does it mean to be a believer? What does it mean to be a Christian? How do you know tonight if you have surrendered your heart and your life to Jesus? You know because you are totally in love with the Lord Jesus Christ. And sometimes we get caught up and we begin to talk about how much God loves us, and that's true. God loves us so very much, but I want to remind you the love of God is fixed there's nothing that we can do to make God love us anymore. We can please him, but we cannot earn or work our way to have more love from God. That is a fixed love. The love that is dynamic, the love that changes, is the love that we have for the Lord Jesus Christ. And sometimes we get that out of line and we want to talk about how God loves us so much. And because God loves us so much, he's going to fulfill our dreams. And he's going to take our ambitions. And he's going to make those come true. And he's going to take all these objectives and the goals of my life. And he's going to see those come to fruition. But that's really not the point. The point of the Christian life is loving the Lord Jesus Christ. It's in the Old Testament, it's in the New Testament. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, with all of your strength. Love the Lord so much that you want to know him, you want to exalt him, you want to please him, you want to serve him, you want to worship him, you want to be with him, you want to tell others about him. That's what it means to be a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I asked this question Wednesday, and I'll ask it tonight how much do you love Jesus? How much do you truly love Jesus? It's more than words. We can all stand up and say how much we love Jesus. But in your heart, how much do you truly love the Lord Jesus Christ? He says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. If you love me, you'll keep my Word. If you love me, you'll feed my sheep. So once we have the love, things begin to change. And, and so 
I'm thinking about this, and the problem is I know in my life that I have had a true, genuine encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. But at the same time, I back up, and I look at my life a lot of times, and I say, what in the world am I doing? You ever do that? You ever look at life and you know what you ought to be doing? You know what you should be doing? You know the kind of character that you should be exhibiting in your life, but you look back and you look at it and you say, how did I mess up so badly? What was I thinking? How can my love for the Lord be so real, so deep, so genuine, and I just seems like I just keep messing up and messing up and messing up? How could I do that? Am I the only one that feels like that sometimes? You ever feel like that? You just look back and you say, I ought to know better. I ought to be further along in the journey. I ought to be more mature in my faith. There ought to be more fruit in my life. Why do I have these struggles? Why do I struggle with this sin? Why do I have a problem fulfilling the spiritual disciplines of a strong prayer life or of time with God every day? Why are these things so tough? I know I love him, but there's so many ways that I fall short. And so there's many times, if I'm honest in my life, that I just look at myself and I look in the mirror and I just shake my head. You ought to be doing better. And I think that's part of the Christian life, isn't it? Part of the Christian life is that there are highs and there are lows. There are times to where we look at our life and we feel good about it, and there's times we look at our life and we question why we do the things that we do. Tonight, our encounter is going to be with Peter. Peter and the way that he encountered the Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to set Peter up just a little bit, and then we're going to zoom in in Matthew 26. You realize, you know, that Peter was the leader of the disciples. Peter was the leader of the apostles. We have four listings of the apostles, one in Matthew, one in Mark, one in Luke, and one in Acts. And every time that we see the disciples listed, the first name is always Peter. He was the leader. He was the spokesperson. It's a common name. There were at least seven other Simons in the Gospels. But it's interesting because the Lord gave Simon a new name, didn't he? Luke chapter 6, verse 14, it says, And Simon whom he also named Peter. Simon, whom he also named Peter. Now, it's not a new thing because when you think of the Old Testament, you think of the New Testament, you see examples of times that the Lord would rename someone. Okay, Think of Abram. He was renamed Abraham. You think of Saul. He was renamed. But when you think about Simon or you think about Peter, it was not a rename, he used both names. He continued to use the name Simon, and he continued to use the name Peter. It's interesting, if you remember several years ago, we did a, a, a study on the disciples, the 12 disciples, and I found this during that study, and it's always stuck with me. He named him the rock. Peter, you are to be the rock of the church. The first time that Peter met Christ was in John chapter 1, verse 42. John chapter 1, verse 42, they come face to face, and it says, Now when Jesus looked at him, he said, You are Simon, the son of Jonah. You shall, you shall be called Cephas, which translated is a stone. 
first time they met, and he said, hey, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to change your name. The reason I'm going to change your name is because I know who you are. You're going to be the rock of the church. You're going to be the foundation. You're going to do great things. Peter, I look at you, and I see the potential. I see the potential in your life, and I know that you can do great things. But realize this, Peter was not always great, was he? We know our Bible enough to know that there's many times that Peter messed up. It seems like Peter's always the one who rushed into something without thinking, and then he pulled back too quick, didn't he? seemed like Peter was always the one who would put his foot in his mouth, and he would say things when he should have thought about it and been quiet. Anybody else struggle with that? seemed like Peter was the one who was always getting into trouble. He was one of the guys that he always thought he had to speak his mind, and he should have just been quiet. James talks about a double-minded man, and that's a good picture of what Peter is and what Peter was. And so when Jesus changed his name, it was a perpetual reminder of what he should be. What should you be? Peter, you should be the rock. Peter, you should be solid. Peter, you should be secure. You shouldn't be double-minded. You shouldn't be secular. You shouldn't be worldly. Peter, I have set you apart, and I have called you for something great. And there's many times, it's not always the case, but there's many times in the Gospels when you're reading, and when Jesus calls Peter, Simon, it's almost a slap in the face. It's almost, hey, Simon, why don't you live the way you're supposed to? It's almost, hey, Simon, why do you keep messing up? I'm not going to call you Peter because you're not acting like a Peter. Well, let me give you an example. There, there's two real different issues we see this on. One, in the Bible, when it's talking about the worldly things, okay, it's talking about Peter's home. This is in Mark chapter 1 and Acts chapter 10. It doesn't say Peter's house. It says Simon's house. When it's talking about his mother-in-law, it doesn't say it's Peter's mother-in-law. It says it's Simon's mother-in-law. That's in Mark chapter 1. When it's talking about his work, his home, or his family, it doesn't use Peter. It uses Simon. Also, when it's talking about the natural man, it's talking about the sinful time in his life. Many times it refers to him as Simon and not as Peter. Example of that is in Luke 5. Turn if you want to. I know you're already in Matthew, but if you want to, Luke chapter 5, and we see a good example of this. Luke chapter 5 is early in the ministry, and Peter happens to be out in the boat. He's out in the boat, and he's fishing. You'll remember the story. You'll remember the context. And Jesus comes up, verse 4, Luke chapter 5, verse 4, and he says, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Now, Who's Jesus speaking to? Simon. And what does Simon do for a living? He's a fisherman. He knows how to fish. This is his thing. This is like somebody coming up to you at your job, and they have no idea what you're doing, and they tell you what to do. How do you respond? You want to say, why are you telling me what to do? I know what I'm doing. And so Jesus looks and said, hey, you're not doing this right. Why don't you turn and do it this way? And it says in verse 5, and Simon answered, Master, we've worked all night and took nothing, but at your word, I will let down the nets. He's, he's uh, reluctant. He, he's skeptical. He doesn't know. He's kind of saying, who do you think you are to tell me how to fish? I am a fisherman. Now look at verse 6. And when they had done this, 
they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking, and they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and to help them, and they came and they filled both of the boats so that they began to sink. So we have a lot of fish, right? The boats began to sink. Look at verse 8, but when, now what does it say? When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. When he was skeptical, the Bible calls him Simon. Once his faith was energized, there's all the fish in the boat. Then he is referred to as Simon Peter. Another example is Mark 14. Mark 14, it says, Jesus came to them while they were sleeping. Remember, they're supposed to be praying, right? The death is coming. They're praying for Jesus. What are they doing? They're asleep. Jesus comes and he finds them asleep. And he said to Peter, he said, Simon, are you sleeping? Could you not watch for one hour? So again, he calls out on Simon. I, I just, I just got to believe that as Peter was going through life and as Jesus came up to speak to him, he said, oh, please let him call me Peter. Please let him call me Peter. And maybe the Lord responded, I'll call you Peter when you act like Peter. I can resonate with that. Because I know there are times in my life that, that I live life the way that I know I should live it. And there are times in my life that I just mess up. There are times in my life that I'm focused on spiritual. And there's times in my life that I'm focused on the natural or the carnal. There's times that I'm living a sinful life and there's times I'm living a righteous life. Sometimes I'm acting like a Simon, and sometimes I'm acting like a Peter. Matthew 26. we got to get on with it here. Matthew chapter 26. Let's look at, we looked at Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus had one encounter with Christ. That was easy, right? When you look to Peter, we could be here until next month and still not cover all the different details in the life of Peter. Thank God we're not going to do that, Okay. We're not going to do that tonight. Maybe one day we'll do a study just on Peter. But let's look towards the end of his life in Matthew chapter 26. Turn your attention to verse 31. Matthew chapter 26, verse 31. Uh, they have already been through the Passover. They've come out to the Mount of Olives. Jesus is speaking to his disciples. And he said, then Jesus said to them, you will all fall away because of me this night. And then he quotes from Zechariah. He says, I will strike down the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. He's looking at his followers. He's looking at his disciples. He's looking at the closest people he's got. And he looks at them and he says, guys, this is what's going to happen. You're all going to fall away. You're all going to be offended by me. You're all going to defect. You're all going to just vanish because of me. And then in verse 32, he says, and after I've been raised, I will go ahead of you to Galilee. And so he says, it's not going to be the end. I'm going I'm to go ahead of you into Galilee. I'm going to bring us all back together. And so it's going to be temporary. It's not going to be a long-term abandonment. But Peter speaks up in verse 33. Peter speaks up and said to him, he said, even though all may fall away because of you, I will never fall away. He's looking around and he says, they may all fall away because of you. Every one of them might abandon you. Every one of them might betray you. But he said, Lord, as sure as I'm standing here, I never will. I'll never do it. 
I am committed to you. I am sold out to you. I am surrendered to you. I will die for you. I will do anything for you. And then Jesus said to him, truly I say to you that this very night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Rooster usually crows at about 3 a.m. in this time period. And so he said, before you know it, you're going to have denied me three times. And Peter said to him, even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. You think Peter meant that? I know this is not a new story. We've studied this many, many times. Do you believe that Peter meant it when he said it? I think he did. I think when he's making this, this statement and he's looking at Jesus, he's looking at the one that he loves so much, and the thought of betraying him, the thought of it just crushes his heart. And so as he's making this proclamation of love and he's looking at Jesus and he says, Jesus, I promise you, I would die for you. I would never leave you. I am committed to you to the very end. I just know in my heart that he believed that. He meant that. He knew that that was true. And we know what happens next. They come, Judas comes, betrays Jesus. They take him to the trial. But what happened to Peter? Look at verse 69. Peter follows in the distance. All the other disciples flee, but Peter follows, but he follows at a distance. You say, why did Peter have to follow? I believe the reason he followed is because he loves Jesus so much, he had to see what happened. He couldn't just run away. He couldn't just quit. And so he followed. He had to see where they were taking Jesus. And so he followed at a distance, and he found himself in a courtyard. In verse 69, it says, a servant girl came to him and said, you too were with Jesus the Galilean. But he denied it before them. And he said, I do not know what you're talking about. I know you. You were with Jesus the Galilean. And he said, I, I don't know what you're talking about. And the Bible says he began to, to slip away. He wanted to get out of the light. He wanted to hide himself. And so he begins to, to scoot on over to the side. He's walking around. He's got his head down. He's trying not to make eye contact. He's trying to make sure that nobody recognizes him. He's trying to make sure that nobody sees him, but he still wants to see Jesus. And a little bit later, there was another. This man was with Jesus of Nazareth, and he denied it again, but notice this time with an oath. I don't know the man. Listen, I swear to you, I don't know that man. I'm not with him. I don't know him. I promise, I don't know that guy. And so there's a little bit of a progression with it. And so he begins to scoot on a little bit further, and he's trying to avoid eye contact. He's trying to avoid the people. And it says a little later, the bystanders came up and said to Peter, surely you too are one of them, for even the way you talk gives you away. You have a Galilean accent. We hear it. And then he began to invoke a curse on himself and to swear, I do not know the man. He's cursing. He's swearing. It's not a good moment for old Peter. And he denied him again. And the Bible says, and immediately the rooster crowed. You talk about timing. The Lord's timing is always right. He controls it all even when the rooster crows. And so he has denied him three times. Three different occasions, different people, different locations, different spots. 
And Peter has messed up greatly. What, what happened? How did Peter respond? Look at verse 75. And Peter remembered the words in which Jesus had said, Before the cock crows, you will deny me three times. And he went out and he wept bitterly. Peter was a broken man at this point. It doesn't say he cried. You, you, ever, you ever been so just broken that you just wept? It, it was uncontrollable. You just you didn't want to, you didn't need to, you just you just had to. And so you weep, and you just can't stop it. That's what Peter's doing. He's weeping. He's weeping bitterly. But but there's one more thing that you can miss if you're not careful, and it's found in Luke 22. In Luke 22, we get one more detail. It says that when Peter denied Christ the third time, it says the rooster crowed, and then it says, and the Lord turned and looked at Peter. I remember the first time I saw that, it's always been an, an amazing thought to me. Just the amazing thought that here Peter is, he's, he's keeping an eye on Christ. He denies once, he denies twice, he denies three times. All of a sudden, the cock-a-doodle-doo goes off, and what does Peter do? Peter immediately remembers what Jesus had said. He turns his attention to look at Jesus. And when he turns his attention, who's looking back at him? Jesus is looking back at him. And in that brief moment, their eyes lock. You ever done that? Have you ever caught the eye of someone? And it may just be a second or two seconds or three seconds, but it seems like an eternity. I, I just, I believe with all my heart that when their eyes locked, and they're, they're, they're far apart from each other, but their eyes locked and they zoned in on each other. It had to feel like an eternity. And Peter realizes what he's done. It may be the worst pain that you can experience is when you betray or you hurt someone that you love with all your heart. And that is what Peter had done. If I could just take it back. If I could just take it back, I'm sure he wanted to say, I'm so sorry. Lord, I messed up. Lord, I should not have done this. And I'm sure he felt like a failure. You ever been there? You ever felt like a failure? He felt like a failure. He felt like a terrible person. He felt like, how could I have done this? How could I have messed up so badly? I love the Lord. I love Jesus. How did I betray him like this? How did I do this? And he weeps bitterly. He is a broken, broken man. Well, we know the story continues. And they go, and Jesus is crucified. But John 21, flip over to John 21. I am so glad that John 21 is in our Bible. The Lord was not going to let it go with Peter being broken. The Lord's all about restoration He's all about reconciliation. He's all about taking the pieces that are broken and putting them back together again. John 21, the Lord comes to Peter. They had breakfast, at the, verse 15. When they'd finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, feed my lambs. And he said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. 
He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt. He was grieved because he said to him a third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. He had three questions for Peter, didn't he? Three questions, really the same question, but he asked it three different times. What was the question? Very simple. Peter, do you love me? Peter, you've messed up. I I know it. Peter, you've really done something wrong. I I get that. Peter, I've got work for you, but the first thing you've got to do is you've got to remember that you love me. Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Because if he loves Christ, everything else will fall into place. And I just know this, if we as a body of believers, if we love Christ, everything else falls into place. When we get our love for Christ in line, then you know what happens? We don't have to preach on tithing because we will tithe. Once we love Christ with all of our heart, we don't have to preach on evangelism because we will evangelize. Once we love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, we don't have to worry about all these external things because they begin to fall into place. If you love the Lord, you will obey the commandments. If you love the Lord, you will keep his word. And so what it comes down to is that we love Christ. We love him because he loved us first. Do you love him? Do you seek his honor? Do you seek his glory? Do you desire to please him? Do you want to see him exalted and lifted up? Do you want to worship him and hear him? In John chapter 6, Jesus had all these followers. And he looked around and they were all leaving him. They're, they're, They're going away. They've had enough. And so Jesus looks and he said, do you also want to go away? And Peter spoke up and he said, to whom will we go? You and you alone have the words of life. Where are we going to go? You're the only one that we want. We're committed. We are with you till the end. And it's interesting because from that point on, all we know of Peter is positive. You know what tradition tells us. Tradition tells us that he went on, did many, many things for the kingdom of God. We see that in the book of Acts. We see a man that was just a a diehard witness for the kingdom of God. And when it came to the end of his life and he was to be martyred, tradition tells us they were going to crucify him. But Peter did not feel worthy to die the same death as Christ. And so he begged them, would you please crucify me upside down with my head to the ground? And tradition tells us that is the way that Peter lost his life as a martyr for the Lord Jesus Christ. Very simple tonight. My question for you is, how much do you love Jesus? I want to ask you to close your eyes and bow your head. And I just want you to think about that for just a minute. You see, I'm not saying that when you love Jesus, everything's perfect. It's not. That's what I like about Peter, because... I know he loved the Lord, but I know he wasn't perfect. That encourages me because I look at my life and I love the Lord, but I, I know I'm not perfect. And so it could be that you need some encouragement. could be that in your life you feel like a failure. You feel like you've, you've messed up too much. You feel like you've messed up and God could never use you. You've done too much bad. God is, God is through with you. God's going to find somebody else. That's just not true. 
God likes to use screw-ups. That's biblical. God likes to use the weak vessels. That's biblical. You messed up. I've messed up. Get over it. It's time to move on. It's time to get to work for the kingdom of God. Peter messed up. The Bible is full of folks who messed up. But it doesn't mean that God is done. What it comes down to is how much do you love him? Do you love him just in word or do you love him in action? Is it just something you do legalistically? I've got to come to church. I've got to sing. I've got to come to a small group. I've got to lead this. I've got to drive this bus. Or do you do it because you are totally in love with the Lord Jesus Christ? I get to go drive this bus because I love God. I get to come to church tonight because I get to learn more about the Lord. I get to sing his praises because I am so in love with my Savior. It looks the same on the outside, but those two are very different. It could be in here that there's many of us here because we feel like we have to be here, and there's some of us in here tonight, and we're here because we're totally in love with Jesus. It looks the same, but the heart is totally different. And so I'm asking you, where is your heart at? We looked Wednesday at the church who had forsaken their first love. Maybe the problem is you have forsaken, you've abandoned your first love. How do you get back to that? Well, you remember where you fell from, you repent, and you do the things you used to do. Remember how maybe you used to love Christ a whole lot more? It's time to go back. It's time to change it. It's time to be totally surrendered and totally committed. And that's entirely up to you. We can walk out out of here the same way we came in, or we can strive to be different. We can strive to live a life that is simple, I'm just in love with Jesus, that people would see us, and they would say, that's a weird duck, but they sure love Jesus. Lord, we thank you for this time. God, thank you for your word, how it speaks to us. Thank you for the life of Peter. God, how we can be encouraged because we see so much of ourselves through his life. Lord, I pray that you've shown us what you want us to do tonight. Lord, you've encouraged us to show us you're not done with us. You used Peter in great ways. You want to use us also. Lord, I pray that, God, we will rekindle the love that we have for you. We'll be solid, God. We'll be surrendered. We'll be committed. And we'll be a bold witness for you. So, God, thank you for this encounter that we see tonight. May the encounters that we have with you, God, may they show forth in our life, in our deeds, and in our fruit, and in the way that we live. Lord, it's in your name we we ask these things. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you, guys, for being here with us tonight. Uh, Remember the activities of the week. We've got church on Wednesday. Everything's going on full blast. Supper and Awanas and youth ministry, choir, all that's going on full blast. Adults will be meeting in here 6.30, so take your time. That seems like a long window from 6 to 6.30, so eat slowly on Wednesdays, okay? Yes, ma'am, Miss Peggy. Okay, and that's at 7 o'clock, right? 7.30, okay? Uh, that is 7.30 at Moberly. Brother Allen will be preaching at 7, okay? And then we've got visitation here in the Hill Perks area. That'll begin at 6. And so that's going to be real easy. I want to have some assignments made up. If you want to go make a church visit, you come through. You grab an assignment. You go and make it. Email me. Let me know what happened. You don't even have to come back to the church, so it'll be quick. But it is a, it is a great need. We're thankful for our team that goes out on a regular basis. I don't know if y'all realize this. Every time a visitor comes in and they fill out a visitor slip, 
they usually are seen that day or the next day uh, by a, a team we've got here at the church. And so I'm so grateful for that, but there's a lot more that we need to be seeing. And so we'll be doing that tomorrow, uh, 6 o'clock, right here behind us. Okay? Sisters, sisters coming up, lots of good events. Any other announcement? All right. Thank you all for being here tonight. You are dismissed. <laughs>